Hello and welcome to Bygones, the Ali McBeal Rewatch Podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. And I'm Eleanor Parker. And we rewatch every episode of Bygones with 2020 eyes. Yes, yes. we do. We do. And they and are getting tired. <laughs> so <hot>. tired. <laughs> Sweaty right now. Sweaty eyes. Sweaty eyes. We're in the middle of a heat wave. It's um, terrible. Yes, it is. We both live in new build flats that like to keep the heat in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's a struggle. It's a daily struggle. It is. Daily and nightly, like the nights, they have to like really, um, I've been, I was uh, saying earlier, like I've been wetting my t-shirts and things like tops, like under cold water just to down <laughs> I think that's a genius idea I my issue is not so much with my body it's more my feet get really hot and I get like heat rash so I've oh, really? been like just basically in the evenings getting a like a washing up bowl full of cold water and putting like ice packs in it wow like, icy ice cold. packs as well yeah crazy and then, if i just use cold water it warms up too quickly and it my feet just get quickly, used to it yeah so i just put the ice packs in it and then just dunk my feet in it for like three hours before yes. i to bed until yeah. they're like dead people feet and then i can go to bed <laughs> <laughs> dead people feet I need them to be so cold they are numb and then they won't warm up until morning (laughs) (laughs) well I've been doing the foot bath thing but like not with ice packs I just do it with cold water just to like but it does it does heat up quite quickly but it's enough within 10 minutes I'm like oh I can't feel it being cold anymore so yeah Yeah. no I know what you mean I know what you mean but um yeah I've also got like a spray like a bottle, a water spray bottle that I just okay. like spray myself with, and then just like lay under the fan. Oh, I've got a water spray, but I use it. I use it for my plants. Maybe I should start using it for me. Use it on you. <laughs> yeah, no, do like it's really good. Like if you just need a quick like, like, and it just yeah, that's a good down. idea. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Oh. Cool. Tips and hints. If anyone else has got like tips <laughs> and tips. hints to survive heat. Uh, we are all ears. <laughs> all ears. Sweaty, sweaty ears. Sweaty ears. <laughs> oh dear. So apart from melting, how have you been? Okay, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, literally. I need to, I realised recently I really need to go to Specsavers soon um, because <laughs> my eyesight, I it's gotten noticeably worse like um and I need to uh you're just like bumping into things (laughs) well it's not so much that it's like when I uh looking at like a computer screen or a tv screen I will sometimes I think especially if I'm a little bit tired I will have like a slight double vision to it so I'm just like yeah I need to get that sorted out (laughs) yeah get that sorted out uh I moved house this week so I moved into a new apartment and uh it's got an extra it's got more room and more storage which is nice um but uh yeah it's just living amongst boxes I'm just living I didn't choose the box life the box life chose me (laughs) living in box land yeah uh just doing my best to unpack as quickly as possible but being pregnant it's not that easy Um, things are slow going but um, take it easy though getting there getting there (laughs) 
Um, But obviously, I had to make sure Wi-Fi was connected ASAP so that we could keep recording bygones. Yes. Heaven for fans. (laughs) The bygone schedule be interrupted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I could never. I could never. Could never. Um, So, yeah. So, that's all good. Cool. At least. Yes. So, on that subject, what are we here for today? Today, we are going to talk about episode 13 of season three called The Pursuit of Loneliness or Pursuit of Loneliness. I think I added a the. Yeah, IMDb has it as Pursuit of Loneliness. I thought it was The Pursuit of Loneliness. Uh, Well, because it's The Pursuit of Happiness, isn't it? Yeah, and also Amazon Prime has it as Pursuit of Loneliness. So I guess it's Pursuit of Loneliness. But I found this, either way, um, a strange title for what happens in the episode i don't know about you yeah i think um bigotry galore would have been the best (laughs) yes (laughs) totally (laughs) do you not think i can't wait i can't wait to get into this yes (laughs) totally okay okay before we could do that yeah so, uh, The Pursuit of Loneliness first aired 21st of February 2000. We interrupt this program for Eleanor's cultural stuff. Brought to you by the Naughties. The other decade more problematic than it looks. So, the UK number one, uh, mm-hmm. the artist is Oasis. In 2000, Ooh. what are they doing? Well, now, I just think of them I just like in the say, late 90s. Yeah, I well, mid 90s, just the late 90s. 90, or they mid 90s. I know, but they had like quite a few hits in the 2000s. Basically, as well. I just think of them as like the 90s. Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hmm. have to say, I can't remember this one. I'm gonna have to like is it look it up on so- Spotify. Is it Songbird? No. I like that one. Or was that just me? I do like that one. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Was that a single songbird? Yeah, it was. I (sighs) I remember him doing it on Top of the Pops. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Can't think. It's uh, Go Let It Out. Do you remember that? Go Let It Out? Yeah. Go Let It Out? No, I I don't. I don't remember it. I'm just going to play it on Spotify. I was never like huge, huge Oasis fan. Definitely yeah. sounds like Oasis. <laughs> it's definitely Oasis. Go let it out. Go let it out. In. Go let it out, then in, and then out again. <laughs> sounds like my Tips cat. On how to breathe. <laughs> Actually, no, it sounds like, do you know what it sounds like? Our old dog, Arnie. (laughs) (laughs) Our dog, we had this dog um, who is sadly no longer with us. No longer with us. He was so sweet, but he was so fucking hilarious. Because he was like, whatever he was doing and whatever he wanted, he always wanted to be doing 
something else or like the, the grass opposite was always, because it yeah, was like the, yeah the grass was always greener on the other side like quite literally like if he was indoors <laughs> he wanted to be outdoors if he was outdoors he wanted to be indoors if he was hot he wanted to be cold if he was cold he wanted to be hot if he was dry he wanted to be in the water if he was in the water he wanted to be dry like you just couldn't <laughs> help he would just get dog. so excited he'd be like oh let's go outside and then he'd be like oh my god let's go inside like he's just like constantly like scarily excited about everything he wasn't doing and what he could do next (laughs) he was literally like the embodiment of like fear of missing out like (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i just imagining like liam gallagher being like okay let him out okay let him in in. okay let him out (laughs) (laughs) i don't really remember that song a lot though like it's not I'm surprised it got to number one if, yeah. it's, if it's not I'm stuck in my memory. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't ring. I, I've got like, it seems vaguely familiar, but I don't, yeah, I can't say it's a favourite. Anyway, yeah. the next uh, US number one um, yeah. is Mariah Carey featuring Joe and 98 Degrees. Do you yes. remember this? What is yes. this? What's the because title? I'm... I'm um uh I've got her greatest hits. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a big um big oh, yeah, Carrie fan. The, yeah, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> this is um this is thank God I found you. Isn't yes, it? it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't okay. know this. Song I love either. that song. I don't know thank this song. Thank God I found you. I can't live without you. No, I don't know that one. Can I just hang on? Thank God. It's a ballad. It's a ballad. Yeah, no, I don't know this one. Sounds extremely nineties. Yeah, very, very nineties pop. Yeah, that's a pop nineties pop ballad. If ever there was one. No, I don't know this one. Okay. Anyway, those are the number ones. So then, uh, February 23rd at the 42nd Annual Grammy Awards, Santana wins a record eight Grammys in one night, tying Michael Jackson, who won eight in 1984. Yes, he did. And Christina Aguilera won Best New Artist. No, back to Santana. (laughs) Yes. I I mean... I mean, g- <laughs> well deserved. I think you're fine well, for having like the best single. Dominated the airwaves for like six months with smooth. I should bloody think so. Yeah, Thank I mean, God. wow. <laughs> he really, that was such a smash. And like that whole album he did was really well received as well. So I'm not yeah. surprised. Yeah. Like who else is getting that? No, like, I know. I mean, who else could it have gone year. to? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Christina Aguilera won Best New Artist. So, yes. uh, yeah. Good for her. And that's all I've got, really, cultural stuff. Oh, nothing else was going on? No, nothing much was happening. No. no. <laughs> Everyone was just pursuing their loneliness and yes. watching the Grammys. <laughs> yeah. Basically. And this okay. uh, episode was on as well, obviously. Obviously. Um, so let's start talking about bigotry galore, <laughs> which is <Yes>. otherwise known. <laughs> so, alternative title. Spoiler alert, I don't think Ella and I like this episode. 
um, so it starts. Ali is at a coffee shop and she seems to be getting the most, what sounds like the most tasteless coffee of all time. <laughs> a tall, semi-dry, I don't even know what that means. No idea. Non-fat cap. Like, please. No, thank please, you. Please. Can we not just have some taste in there? I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, she barely acknowledges the barista who is serving her. And she just goes over to like the station where you put your sugar in and all of that stuff. I'm not sure if they have official names, but that's what I'm calling it. The sugar station. Um, And he... That's where um, she's um, putting in the taste. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So the barista kind of looks at her as she's left. And he kind of looks a bit disheartened. And so then he jumps over the counter and he goes to say hello. And then this is where we see Ali's face for the first time this episode. And I notice she's had a wispy fringe, like cut in, cut in yeah, yeah, which yeah. I don't think she had last episode. No, it's like, no, like a, a new thing. I like it. I think it's nice with yeah. a little fringe. Yeah. So back to Coffee Guy. Um, and he's basically saying that he's desperate to tell her his name, um, which is Hammond Deering. And he asks if they've ever met before. And Ali is like 0% interested in talking to Hammond. (laughs) So she's like trying to leave, but Hammond isn't giving it up. And he's like, look, I've served you every day for three months. I was really hoping that you might, you know, at least once look at my face. Um, And she's like, "Um, well, no, I guess I didn't. And he's like, well, will you look at my face like now? And she sort of turns to him, looks at him and goes, okay. And then she's like, bye-bye. And like tries to leave. (laughs) And Hammond is like, are you like this because I serve cappuccinos for a living? Like, can I, can, can we not just go to dinner like sometime? And Ali's like, no, you're getting really annoying. And then Hammond just comes in and kisses Ali. Um, and then he immediately says, sorry. And he explains that he did that because his ex said that he was a good kisser. So he was like, you know, lead with your strengths. Um, And Annie's reaction is to pour her coffee over him because it's gone cold from all of the chit chat. And she then goes, well, your ex, she lied. So, and I was like, guys, general advice, maybe just don't kiss people. That's probably not a good idea. I mean, there are many times in this episode, I wish I could throw in an objection, but I'm going to throw in my objection here because you do not kiss strangers out of nowhere, especially ones that are explicitly turning down your advances. And I just, I just really don't like his behaviour, like, no. in this, like, scene. He's done because this he's just, Yeah, I just hate the way he's like, um, oh, I can appreciate you being wary of strangers, but, you know, I think if you got to know me, and it's like, fuck off. Like, I don't know you yeah. from Adam. I don't no. know you. Uh, getting to know you time like you know no, what I exactly. mean like and men are just so fucking weird in this way like they yeah so many of them feel like they can demand attention and time and feelings from women they've never fucking met and when Ali poured that cappuccino over him I was like yes yeah I agree at this moment in yeah at this moment in time I'm like what the fuck are you doing mister like yeah. this is not what I don't this know what is... rom-coms you've been watching no. this is not romantic I mean and nobody wants it I, it's horrible <laughs> like I've been in a, I once remember I was sat at a cafe during um my lunch at work like I 
taken myself to a cafe and was just sort of sitting alone at a table and a man came over and was like can I sit with you and I was like no because it wasn't like I didn't know this man and there were like plenty of spare like chairs and tables around like it wasn't like there was nowhere else to sit and I was just like no and then he went can I have a hug and I was like (laughs) no (laughs) what it was bizarre but this is the kind of weird shit men do and I'm just like men like sort your lives out that a woman isn't interested it's not just because you haven't tried enough like it's because they're not interested <laughs> and they're allowed to be not interested like they, they don't, don't have to you give you a shit. chance yeah exactly it's 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 <sighs> not like strangers is a very different situation to someone who's actively agreed to go on a date with you yeah. you maybe just want to like you know be like show off your personality like you don't know this person leave yeah. them alone yeah <laughs> if they are very keen to get away from you you don't swoop in for a kiss on the lips like yeah what the fuck bizarre. Are you playing at? bizarre behavior yeah yeah um so yeah, yeah, that's our PSA, I guess. <laughs> Don't before kiss the people. credits have even like opening credits have even started. I'm like objection. <laughs> yes. So after the titles, um, it we're in the unisex at Cajun Fish, and um, Nell is talking with Ali, um, and she seems really confused that Hammond might have asked Ali out because she's like, oh, well, he must have mistaken you for a waitress or something. And I was like, and then she says what might be like the grossest thing Nella's ever said. I know! There's nothing worse than getting hit on by one of the little people. And I was like, made my skin crawl when she said that. I was like, what the fucking fuck? Like, this is horrible. It is horrible. Like, as much as, like, people have a right to be, like, I don't want to be hit on, like, it shouldn't be just predicated on oh what your status God. in society is. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, of course, um, that's when John comes out of a stall um, and he has his fly open, unfortunately, <laughs> which Nell points out to him. Um, but John's like, what were you What were you just saying? And Nell's like, oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean short people. I meant like little people, like janitors. And I was like, well, oh my God, I know. <laughs> this isn't helping. <laughs> um, but then Richard comes in and he's all breathless. And he's like, Ali, what are the lesbians coming in? And Ali's like, um, there's only one coming in. And... Uh, why are you and all men just fascinated by lesbians anyway? And Richard's like, uh, have you heard that they have sex? (laughs) And Ali's like, so do straight women. And Richard says, Ali, there's nothing special about a woman interacting with a penis unless it's your own. Um, am I right, John? (laughs) John's just like, uh, um, And then Elaine ducks her head in to tell Ali um, that her meeting, um, you know, her lesbian has arrived. Um, And Richard says, lesbians, excellent, off we go. And Ali and Richard leave. Um, And John goes back to uh, Nell, his conversation with Nell. And he's saying that he's surprised that she wouldn't date a janitor. And she's like, well, uh, would you date a janitette? And John's like, yes. 
And Nell goes, typical. As long as she's beautiful, it doesn't matter to a man what she is inside. And then she calls John a chauvinist. And I'm sure like, well, John, and I'm sure all of us are like, eh? Yeah, because what are you saying? Like anyone who has a low income job is like, Ugly inside? Like, what, what are you like, yeah. saying? <laughs> I didn't understand. Uh, well, can I just put it out here at this moment in time? Nell's line of logic throughout this entire episode makes no sense it's to me. Bizarre. I don't understand it. Like, it's like suddenly she's like, I, I, it's like <laughs> the most right wing, like, like just horrible sentiment coming from her like I just it's but also it doesn't even make any any sense sense. like yeah her comebacks to John's argument and John's reason why he's upset don't actually have anything to do with with what he's saying it's really odd yeah absolutely Um, so anyway we'll find out more about that as the episode progresses um so in the conference room Ali and Richard are at their meeting with um, their client, who is the case of the week. Um, Their client is a man called Evan. And Georgia is the opposing counsel representing Evan's wife, Lisa. Um, And this case is basically a marriage breakup where Evan is saying that he shouldn't have to pay alimony because he doesn't feel like him and Lisa were ever really married because she's gay. Um, So she's not sexually attracted to him. And he's basically saying that's fraud. Um, and John comes in late because he's obviously had to finish off his conversation with Nell. <laughs> his bizarre conversation with Nell. <laughs> so uh, Georgia is saying um, as he comes in that they um, they tried those arguments about it being fraud at trial court and that didn't work. And Ali's like, ah, uh-uh, that's not true. It was certified to the Court of Appeals because they said Evan might have a case. Um, and then Richard tries to keep everyone on track by asking Lisa whether she made love to Evan, even though she's really attracted to women. And Lisa's like, yes. And then Richard tries to ask about threesomes, but Georgia oh, thankfully God. stops him. Um, and Evan is basically upset because he feels like he's the one that is been hurt here. And now he's like, and I have to pay. Um, and Lisa's like, sure, but I tried to love you. And Evan's like, yeah, sure, Jan. Like, he's not <laughs> believing her at all. Um, and then Richard suggests that, you know, maybe Lisa just needed to be with the right guy. Oh which my is obviously God. totally gross. Um, can we put in a cat hiss for that? Actually? Yeah, absolutely. Do it. So then Ali says to Georgia, look, we offered you 40,000. Um, and Georgia's like, well, if that's your final offer, then I guess we're going to appeals. And everyone's like, fine, fine. Um, and uh, and Lisa just looks warily at Richard. <laughs> just As she at should. <laughs> um, so then Ali's gone back to the coffee shop and it's later in the day because we've had like a evening skyline of Boston mm. and she's hiding behind her paper, which is not concealing her because she's still got one eye. Like you can see <laughs> half her face. Um, but she's now getting a, a, an order of a tall percent half and half no whip mocha which again sounds like the most boring mocha of all time <laughs> what are these drinks um Hammond has made it Hammond has made it for her but he isn't letting go of the cup and Ugh. says to her look it took me most of the day but I've forgiven you um but I, I was wrong to kiss you but he thinks he can redeem himself and Ali's like look pal just give me my drink and then I'll grant you redemption <laughs> 
And then she whines to him that she's annoyed because it's always the wrong guys that hit on her. And then she's like, if you don't give me my drink, I'm going to have to call for the manager. And he's like, well, how about you call for the owner? Better yet, let him buy you dinner. And it's like mic drop moment for Hammond because he's not just a barista. He owns the coffee shop. And Ali's like, others. oh, you're the owner. And her eyes are like, well, this changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and as she said, he said, he also owns three other coffee shops. And he's like, you might have to admit that you prejudged me. And Ali takes the lid off her coffee and it's like, I do admit it was wrong to dump a cappuccino on your head. The owner should get chocolate. And she pours her mocha all over him again. (laughs) I'm like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Like, I really, again, like, he's not, like, this is an okay behaviour, what he's doing in Mm. terms of, like, you know, continuing to pursue this with her when she has made it really fucking clear she's not fucking interested. And it doesn't matter why she's not interested. She's not interested. Like, And I hate the bit where he's like, Oh, aren't you at least a bit curious as to why I want to go out with you? And it's like, no, <laughs> why would I be? <laughs> why do you think I care? <laughs> and I agree with you. And the only bit that I I don't, um, that I wish they didn't have in that scene, um, because otherwise I was like fully on Ali's side, mm. was where he says that he's the owner and she's like, huh. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah. no, Ali. Like, it doesn't still matter. Wrong. Yeah, exactly. Wrong. That doesn't make, that doesn't change his behavior into something cute and like, oh, you're pursuing me. Like, but I that, that show's trying to present it as like, oh, well, now it's okay. Now it's yeah. like flirty. Well, it's that, and it's like, mm. it's like that, that joke about, um, I mean, I've never read the books or seen the films, but like Fifty Shades of Grey. Where people right. say, like, oh, if this guy wasn't a fucking, like, billionaire, then yeah. no one would be... He wouldn't be sexy. He'd be <laughs> creepy. Like, yeah. and it, yeah, it yeah, feels totally. like that kind of, yeah, yeah thing. It's, it's it's just uncomfortable it's on both sides. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so... So let's now check in on Billy, why don't we? So he's in his office <laughs> do we have to? looking, well, quite, apparently we do. So he's in his office looking glum as per usual at the moment. Um, and Sandy has brought in some papers for him. Um, and they're his divorce papers and Nell's marked up some things on them for, for him to take a look at. Um, and then Sandy goes to leave, but Billy clearly wants to talk to her. And Sandy's like, are you okay, hun? <laughs> and yeah. Billy's like, yeah, sure, it's nothing. Um, and then Sandy tries to kind of get him to open up by asking him about um, his divorce. And is like, is it really strange that this is all it takes to end a marriage? Just like some drafts and some signatures. Um, and then she just kind of says, you know, if you ever want to talk about it. And then Billy says really ominously, in my opinion, you don't want to talk about what I'm dying to talk about. Oh. I was like, run, Sandy, run! <laughs> Oh my god, I have that note in my my notes, that exact phrase. Run, Sandy, run. <laughs> That's just such a creepy thing to say. <laughs> uh, but then oh Sandy doesn't doesn't, you know, doesn't pick doesn't up on run. the scariness of the situation. Because she's trying to get him to share, but he won't. Um and he says, Oh, you know, I might meet you down at the bar later. Um and Sandy goes to the door, but it's not to leave. She shuts it. 
Like, why you would trap yourself in with this man, <laughs> I do not know. But she shuts the door. You should and keep says, the exits clear at all times. Yeah, exactly. Um, no one can hear you scream, Sandy, if you shut the door. <laughs> so anyway, she shuts the door and she's like, what is up? And Billy's like, I think it's no secret that I'm attracted to you, but it would be inappropriate. You work for me. Plus, it's still so soon. My breakup, it's way too soon. And it would be totally unfair. And it would be stupid for you. I'm not even presuming you'd be interested. And then he goes on to be like, he goes home to an empty place at night. And instead of missing Georgia, he misses her. And he even tried putting up pictures of Ali trying to miss her. Why have you got loads of pictures of Ali? (laughs) Yeah, it's not like Facebook (laughs) existed. So they used to be able to print those off. He's like, I don't know. But anyway, Uh. he says he can't get his mind off of Sandy. And then he's like, sorry, but you did ask. (laughs) And then Sandy goes up to him and she strokes his face. And it's like, it wouldn't be a good idea. And Billy's like, it wouldn't. And then they kiss. And I'm like, no! Just the bit, the thing is, like, when he's like, oh, you asked me. It's like, but you roped her into this conversation. Yeah. By, as she was yeah. leaving, going, Sandy, nothing. nothing. Like, yeah, like, I used to live with when... someone like this. <laughs> I used to live with someone like this, that whenever he obviously clearly wanted to talk to someone about something, and it actually didn't matter who, he just wanted the attention. He would right. be like... until someone was like are you all right (laughs) and I just got to the stage where I fell for it like quite for like the first year this is uni and then after that and we I lived with him and he'd do it and I would just refuse (laughs) (laughs) and then suddenly he'd go you know what's annoying and if you answered he'd go oh never mind and I'm like oh my god Billy, like, it's just like, bullshit. oh, don't, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm fine. It's just, you know, don't know. It's fine. You carry on. Like, just like, <laughs> you wrote her into this. To my and, melancholy. Yeah, and then, and then to be like, oh, um, you, you know, I, I, I've only shared all my, you know, deepest feelings for you because you asked me. And it's like, yeah, because you made it no, fucking impossible yeah, exactly. not to. Like, you... Exactly. Master manipulator. <laughs> I know. And Sandy's just fallen for falling it. Falling um, for it. I know. I know. That's what's so fucking irritating. So, yeah, so <sighs> the next day, poor Sandy is trying to work and she's brought in, you know, several documents for Billy to review and doing whatever she does as his secretary. Um... And she's clearly quite um, uncomfortable. Like, she's not quite sure how to navigate this situation. Um, But Billy is looking real chill and happy. And he wants to talk about it. And Sandy, and he's looking all smiley. And Sandy's like, actually, I'd rather not. Because I think that the kiss was a mistake. I'd have to be the biggest idiot in the world to get involved with you. You're a card-carrying male chauvinist pig who's my boss coming off of a divorce and going through some sort of midlife crisis. And she's like, can we just pretend that it didn't happen? 
And Billy is clearly butthurt, but he's also like trying not to be because she could obviously like just sue him. Um, so he's just like, sure, sure, it's fine, it's fine. Um, and then and then she leaves, and he just looks really sad. <laughs> well, yeah, he looks like he needs a briefcase to hug. <laughs> <laughs> Always needs a briefcase to hug continually. I mean, emotional like, yeah. support briefcase. Exactly. Like I'm just like should have been kissing yeah. his emotional support briefcase. <laughs> I mean, I just, I mean, uh, well, I, the thing, this is the thing is that Sandy can see like all the, well, she can't, um, I, rewind, start that again. I, she can see, but she can't see. She, this is <laughs> it. Like you, just, she needs to go to Specsavers. <laughs> <laughs> she double vision. But the thing is, is like, you just know that if he, the only reason he hasn't um, been his usual kind of stroppy, tantrumy self when he doesn't get his own way is because yeah. he's still trying to appeal to her. And it's like, well, you're, not also, being, you're, you're not being your real self. No, but also I think he's in a really dangerous position here from a... Uh, employment Legal standpoint. Point view, yeah. So I think he's probably thinking about that as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think, because he can't then, I think what he wanted to do was be like, fine, get out and just be really like business-like and clipped with her rather than, and make her feel, I don't know, just terrible about the whole thing. And um, he can't do that because she'll, you know, he can't just... Um, I don't know, yeah. you can't just make her feel uncomfortable and punish her as a result of what's yeah. happened here. Um, and he can't, I think he wants to, but he can't yeah. for lots of reasons. A, because he's trying to appeal to her still, but B, sh- he wouldn't have a leg to stand on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it's true. So, so, meanwhile, John, Ali and Richard are in court and they're waiting for the judges to come in. And Ali's really nervous. And I don't know about you, but I definitely got the impression that it's her first time um, arguing in front of the court of appeals, yeah, um, because she's saying things like, "Oh, I thought there were three judges." Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. she's not used to it. Doing um, all the while, Richard is just in her ear, admitting that he has a lesbian fetish, which is not helping. Which is funny that, like, shut yeah. up, Richard. This shut is not the, the time. <laughs> um, so anyway, the judges start to enter, um, and um, as I've just said, um, there's three that are there because it's the court of appeals and the first one is very old and he just takes like forever to get to the bench and John's like the other two will come in a bit they're giving him a head start um so the other two then come out and the last one oh my god it's Hammond and Ali is like what is he doing here and John's like oh that's Hammond Deering he can be prickly don't be fooled um and everyone sits down except Ali who's just looking at him like what and <laughs> Hammond obviously notices her because she's the only one still standing yes and he then he looks at the court papers and is like ah Miss McBeal at, at last I know your name and for the record everyone 
I twice asked counsel out on a date and she twice dumped coffee on my head. If anyone's got a problem with that, let's address that first. And then George is like, she dumped coffee on you? I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you are, Georgia. Um, I love that bit. (laughs) And then Ali's like, are you going to be biased though? And Hammond is like, well, if I thought that, I would recuse myself. Like, just really like sniffy with her. Yeah. Um, And I think... Ali's like continually, you can see this battle going on in her head, this entire scene about the fact that she wants to just be shitty with him like she is on the outside world, but she can't because he's yeah. a judge. And so she has to be respectful. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's like a battle of wills within <laughs> Ali's own mind, this entire scene. So she's just like, okay. And then John is whispering to Ali saying like, he is the most progressive judge. So we definitely need him there. Like we don't have a problem with him being there. And I was like, Ugh. Fine. So um, Hammond, or I suppose we should call him Judge Deering now, um, gets stuck in and he's like, okay, so you're trying to vitiate a marriage on the grounds of Ford because the wife is gay. Is that correct? And Ali has to come up and speak at like a plinth. What do they call it? Podium. Yeah. In front of all three judges as they like question her because that's how Court of Appeals works. Um, So she's like, yes. Um, a marriage is a contract and like any contract there has to be a meeting of minds and here there clearly wasn't and then the uh, female judge on the bench asks Ali um, well are you saying that a marriage contract implies a promise of heterosexuality and Ali says well well, yes in fact in some states it's not even considered legal until it's consummated and Judge Deering is just like well this isn't one of those states and Ali says, oh, but if Evan knew that Lisa was a lesbian, then he wouldn't have. And Judge Deering just interrupts being like, isn't it possible that Miss Treadway didn't consider sexual attraction to be material to the marriage? Like, what if she was heterosexual, but she just wasn't attracted to him? Is that marriage a fraud? And Ali just seems really confused by this concept and has <laughs> to like think. And after a bit of a pause, she just says, if a woman marries a man she's not sexually interested in and she doesn't tell him, then yes. And the female judge then says, well, but what about couples who aren't even physically attracted on their wedding day? Should those all be annulled? And Ali's like, no, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> and then she starts to use the example of, you know, when ugly people marry, <laughs> then they aren't always physically drawn to each other but they can still want to get married and then she's like actually let me I can't believe I should be let me go back and Judge Deering is like that would be wise (laughs) and then Ali like restarts and she says it is one thing for two people to get married to each other without sexual interest like that's one thing but it is quite another when one of the couple hides their sexual orientation that is just fraudulent And Judge Deering says, okay, so hypothetically, I'm about to get married. I have no interest sexually in my partner. I marry her anyway because I love her with all my heart. And I think she'd be a wonderful partner and mother. And that's okay. And Ali's like, yes. And then Judge Deering says, if I'm heterosexual, though, you're saying if I'm gay, I'm not entitled to the same opportunity. And Ali's like, no, you're twisting my words. And he's like, well, untwist them then. And Ali says... If you're gay and you told your fiance and you still both agreed to get married, that is fine. But if you don't tell, then that is fraud. And Judge Deering says, well, what about if you're bisexual? And Ali goes, yes, that's still fraud. 
And Judge Deering is like, so you're saying that by marrying, you're legally forfeiting certain rights to privacy. And Ali's like, no, that's that's not what I'm saying. And Judge Deering is like, well, you're either saying it or you're confusing everyone. <laughs> and Ali's like, well, maybe you and I should step out and get a cup of coffee. And Judge Deering just ignores her and says, how often did your client and his wife make love prior to marrying? And Ali's like, I don't know that. And he's like, well, if your argument is that sexual chemistry is material to the validity of marriage, shouldn't you know? And Ali's like, look, you know what I'm talking about, which is not the <laughs> argument to have in the court. No, it really isn't. <laughs> and at this point, John tries to like step in and save Ali. But Ali's like, no, 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 it's fine. And tells him to sit down. And she says, look, if a person goes down the aisle then the person that they're marrying has a right to assume that they are straight. And Judge Deering says, and the gay person has a legal duty to reveal their sexuality. And Ali's like, yes. And Judge Deering says, okay, we understand your position. And then he just looks at Georgia and is like, I don't think we need to hear from you, do we? And looks at all the other judges. And then he's like, motion to annul the marriage is denied. We are adjourned. And Ali looks pissed <laughs> <laughs> well because it's a fucking weak argument like it's not it's ridiculous it's ridiculous i mean maybe we should save this for like retrial um, we should i have yeah. my thoughts on this but yeah okay. i mean she's not performed well yeah, here <laughs> I, I just think like uh, basically he's um you know ali has 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 tried her you know to argue her case but it, it's weak and and Hammond has like you know, rightfully sort of torn it apart. Um, and so. he's not the only one. Like if any of the other judges thought she had any merit, they would. Well, maybe the old one wouldn't because I don't know. Is he half dead? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but the female one was definitely engaged, and yeah. she she would have been like, "Hang on a minute, no, no, she might have a point, but yes. she clearly didn't. No. Like that was the whole point." So I think his sort of tearing apart of her argument was completely fair. And that's what they're there to do exactly. as judges, right? They're there to be really interrogate the argument that they're putting forward there. Exactly, yeah. Um, but I love, did you see how like <laughs> horrified like John was getting during that? At one point, I think he actually like stuffs his tie in his mouth. He's just like, yes. oh my God. <laughs> I know. Well, like a just, car crash. <laughs> she was just making, she wasn't clear on what she was saying and she no. didn't really have anything good to like back it up with. No. And then she started talking about ugly people. Ugly people? Like, what? <laughs> it was nonsense. Absolute yeah. nonsense. Sit down, So, woman. yeah. <laughs> anyway, Hammond has gone back to his chambers and he's taking off his robe and Ali just comes in and interrogates him. Like, what the hell are you doing working in a coffee shop? And he's like, I told you I own it. Like, does a barista have a duty to tell his customers he's a judge before giving a cappuccino? Did I defraud you? And Ali's like, the hostility in that remark alone tells me you have bias in this case. And Hammond's like, no, the hostility suggests my impatience with motions brought by attorneys, which are a waste of the court's time. This is a no-fault state. The whole reason for that is to protect the courts from asking the questions that you just waltz in here raising. And Ali's like, no, no faults related to blaming people in a marriage. The issue here was whether there was even a valid marriage to begin with. Your anus, I mean, your honour. <laughs> and Hammond is like, he just lets that slide. And he goes, look, spouses lie to each other all the time. And they marry for all kinds of reasons. Companionship, tax benefits, 
to be co-parents. The point is, courts don't get in there and ask why. Legally, you take each other for better or worse. And clearly, you're making the assumption that gay is worse. And Ali's like, no, I did not make that assumption, you pig. And at that, Hammond just holds her in contempt, equals security. And he says, you can dump a coffee on my head when I'm a civilian, but in here, I am a judge. And Ali's like, a horrible one. And then security (laughs) take her off to jail. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, I don't know the um, rules of that that thing, but it's can he hold her in contempt of court if they're not actually in the courtroom? I seem to remember there was. Because um, I, I was think like, he can. Is, is he abusing I his think power he, here? Like, I was just no, like. No, no. So I think I'm trying to remember other instances in this show mm. as a precedent because I don't actually know the legal whether you can no. or not. But I know that obviously Ali got held in contempt of court when she had the short skirts and that was in the courtroom. That was in the um, courtroom. But I do remember. I, I, feel like it's either Whipper or Walsh or other people have said threatened that it. they can hold you, uh, threatened it, yes, threatened it, and it's never gone that far. And I think that it is, I think the reason for that- part of the same. Yeah, I think the reason for that is because when they're in their chambers, they are still in their judge role and you cannot just have disgruntled attorneys like, harassing judges temper tantrums in because their it didn't go their way yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. and I just think that is that's a lack of respect and there has to be some kind of formal understanding that there's an etiquette there and yeah. I do think that contempt is is something that they can it's, do it's rather kind of uh in this courthouse Yes, we can hold exactly. you in contempt in anywhere yes. in the courthouse. It doesn't necessarily she can't have just to be go up to in him. the courtroom. She can't just go up to him in a professional capacity and as start a judge him. Yeah. and start calling him a pig, an anus. Like that is not on. No, like calling yeah. that outside of work, fine, but yeah. not in. Well, not when he's in his fucking chambers. Like that's yeah. not cool. Yeah, yeah, and also. Yeah. It's not, she has no grounds to be like that because he was just doing his job and he was doing, doing it well. And her, and her <laughs> case was fucking weak. Like, it was terrible. her argument yeah. was weak. It's a weak and argument. And to be fair to Hammond, I know he hasn't conducted himself well outside of the courtroom. No. But in the courtroom, he has done nothing but be professional. When she's done her little digs, he let them slide every time. He didn't retaliate yes. to them. Um, I, I just think, he was very. He just he got was to the very, stage where he was like, "You can't do like you can't just come up here and insult me because you're pissed off at me." Yeah, like, I, I think also like because I mean John does say that he's like the progressive judge, but don't be fooled, he can be quite prickly. So yeah. to me, it seems to me like he wasn't treating her any differently to anyone no. else than you know, in if if it had been anyone else when when he said you know, if I was, if I thought I was going to be biased, I would recuse myself. I think he's been, um, you know, he, he, he's, uh, I, I don't think we can really question his integrity in that No, because part. nothing he's said has hinted about him being annoyed at Ali having for a anything other than grudge. having a weak yeah. argument. Do you know yeah, what I mean? She's absolutely. the one that brought out, let's go and get coffee, which he just didn't rise to because yeah. he seems to be quite professional as a judge. Um, I just, yeah, I did. I haven't got the sense that he was. 
I felt that he was within his rights to do yes. that, shall we yeah. say. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So back at Cajun Fish, um, Sandy is washing her hands at the unisex and then she hears a flush and she sort of turns around to see who's going to come out of a stall. But then John comes in with his remote flusher and he notices Sandy um, seems sad. So he asks if she's okay. Um, and she's like, yeah, 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 sure. Um, and then Nell comes in and just completely ignores Sandy, um, but just goes to John and is like, oh, everyone's going to the bar. And Sandy's walked out. And John's like, Nell, who was just here? Did you see her? And Nell's like, yeah, Billy's secretary. And John's like, do you, do you know her name? And Nell's like, yeah, actually, no, maybe I don't. And it's like, and then she's like, Elaine probably knows it. Why? And she's like oblivious as to why John might be asking. Um, and John's like, never mind. And he says he'll meet her at the bar um, and she leaves. And he kind of looks, he looks disappointed because yeah. he's like, she's clearly not performed well on his test. <laughs> not whether she knows secretary <laughs> names. Um, so... At the bar, Vonda is singing a song called It Ain't the Meat, It's the Motion, which is very saucy by a band (laughs) called The Swallows. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, it says the lyrics are something like, It ain't the meat, it's the motion that gets your mama rocking or something. It's really quite risque for like a 50s Motown song. Well, you know what? Like, it's funny. I think um, there's a lot of songs from like uh, the early kind of 20th century that are, you know, from like the 20s and 30s onwards that are like really yeah quite sexually explicit in ways that you wouldn't expect it's all dark like coated in like euphemism like yeah that, yeah, yeah that's um yeah like that today you'd just be like oh my god <laughs> yeah i was like wow yeah <laughs> i mean i don't disagree but sure <laughs> um so, so yeah so i'm just singing that um and then richard and ling are kind of sitting and chatting at the bar and elaine comes up with the gossip that um ali's in jail um <laughs> however then a historic moment happens guys this is the very last appearance of the dancing twins is it yeah oh my God. to eric and steve cohen Thank you for being the Dancing Twins. I'm really not sure why they got phased out, but this is the last time we see them. Oh my God. Oh, end of an era, guys. End of an era. Yeah. I've always enjoyed them. And here they are for the last time. So they approach Ling and they ask her to dance, which I actually think is the first and only time they actually get a line because they sort of come up behind Richard and they're like, dance. Uh, it's the first time I think we've heard them speak. Um, feel free, anyone listening, to correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me... I think you me, might be right. Um, but she says, um, for their last appearance, this is really mean. Ling's like, oh, yes. oh that's sweet, but I'm busy this <laughs> lifetime. Maybe the next one. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Maybe they took that literally and they never went back again. <laughs> <laughs> they went off looking for the next lifetime. <laughs> I know. Um, but then Elaine is like, come on. And she goes to dance with them on the dance floor. And then Ling turns to Richard and is like, such a cool joke. God making two of them. Oh my <laughs> Ling! <laughs> you need to put that martini down, Ling. <laughs> had too many. I mean, I, I, I guess Ling killed off the dancing twins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but anyway. Killed, killed them with her words. 
yeah. Across the bar, Billy has come in and he goes over to where Sandy's sitting on her own at a table and he says that he can't pretend that the kiss didn't happen. And he's saying that, you know, if he was her brother or her friend, he would give her a hundred reasons not to dance with him. But will you dance with me? And she just gets up. She kisses him on the cheek and she says, good night. And she leaves. And also nobody seems to care that Ali's in jail. (laughs) (laughs) Also, right. I just, I hate like this conversation that he has with her because she's like, she goes like, what are you looking for, Billy? And he goes like, I'm, maybe I'm asking for a dance or maybe I'm, looking to be adored a little and it was just like oh god like it's just he's not sign me up (laughs) it was like yeah like he's not changed in any way he's still like emotionally manipulative and like faux sensitive and the thing is he's he's like he's actually kind of telling the truth in terms of like yeah he just wants a fun relationship with someone who like blindly worships him like yeah that's what he wants like a little little dance with adoration like I and 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 yeah the thing is I don't know about you Sandy the way Sandy is played is like she's played like she's really young like she's like yeah. this ingenue with like wide-eyed innocence and naivety. Yeah. like yeah, yeah like she's yeah. really girl-like and you just... Well, she did get cast in Jeepers Creepers, you oh, know, she... that, like, innocent, like, screaming woman from <laughs> right, the danger. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Teenage but girl, you just, yeah. you just know that this is why Billy is attracted to her. Oh, yeah. Oh, he yeah. can't actually handle an equal, like, Georgia. He just wants someone who seems like they would be not just submissive, but also yeah. like awestruck by him, and it he just wants to be adored. It's so it's, uh, it's just so gross. Like that that drive in Billy is just it's horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. He's the sort of person that looks at like cult leaders and it's like, what a life. women adoring them you know what I mean yeah he's like good for him (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so yeah and as I say also nobody cares that Ali's in jail everyone's (laughs) like like, anyway whatever (laughs) um however Hammond cares because he has gone to see Ali in jail to tell her that if she just apologizes she can get out and Ali just says I am deeply sorry that you're such an ass. <laughs> She's so stubborn. Okay. Um, but then Hammond asks to get it, asks the guard to let him into the cell, and he goes in, and he's like, "Look, your case didn't have any legal merit." And Ali's like, "That doesn't mean I should be in jail." And Hammond's like, "No, no, no, you're in jail for calling me a horrible pig." In case that wasn't clear. And Ali's like, um, "Actually, I called you a horrible judge. You're an ordinary pig." Like, Ali, please, woman. Um, and then she asks, like, why he does the coffee thing. Um, and he says that it's his only opportunity to interact with people on streets. <laughs> Billy it up. <laughs> it didn't like that, but that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> <He> said, <laughs> it's the only opportunity 
easy to interact with people on the street <laughs> or people on the streets. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> otherwise, he says, all I see is lawyers in designer outfits, which is obviously a dig at Ali. Yeah. And she's like, well, as a judge, you should know better than to sexually assault someone. And I didn't Which think that was quite point. a good point, actually. <laughs> it is. Like, he should know better. Thinking about it, yes. Of all people, <laughs> as a judge, he should know that that probably wasn't a good thing to do. And he does say that he's sorry for that. But then he's like, but maybe I just did it because I thought you were vile and I've been recovering from flu. So I was just trying to get you sick. And then he's like, look, we could trade shots all night, but instead I'm going to sentence you to community service because I really did get the flu and all my staff are sick. So I need you to make espressos tonight. You might enjoy it. And I was like, hang on a minute. Like Ali points out, she's like, you can't just make someone do community service in your own business. (laughs) And I was like, this judge, like, what? I, I know. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, if, if, if finding her in contempt of court when she's not in the courtroom is not abuse of power, this certainly is. Yeah. Like, this yeah, feels I like uh, an abuse of power. And it is it so is. obviously, like, he's still, he's still after her. He's still wanting to pursue something like romantic with her and it's just like no mate that's not okay that's not all right but she does point out she does they do make the point in the dialogue where she goes you can't make me do that I know that's not kosher and he's Mm. like no I can't but I can ask you and that's when she says okay fine like reluctantly um so she could have said no I guess um, and she knew that and she clarified that um, but it's yeah, it's I mean it's, it's, it's a bit it's a bit ground, shitty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's shitty. Yeah, he shouldn't be doing that, really. No. So meanwhile, John is in his office. He hasn't gone to meet Nell at the bar. So Nell has come up and found him, and it's like, hurry up! I'm getting hit on left and right, and it's really tiresome. And John goes, not by any janitors, I hope. <laughs> And he says, you're an elitist. And Nell's like, and? And John's like, well, it bothers me. And Nell's like, well, I just prefer men with ambition. I don't see you chasing after shoeshine girls. You only, you would only pay attention to a shoeshine girl if they were cute. How open-minded of you. And John's like, no, I give all people respect. And Nell's like, well, I got it from you before even saying hello. And it wasn't because I was educated, but it was because I was beautiful and you just wanted to have sex. You're a hypocrite. And John just goes, Sandy! Billy's secretary is called Sandy! And you didn't even know her name! And Nell just goes, well, you probably wouldn't either if she wasn't so pretty. I fell for your package, a senior partner with money, and you fell for mine. Why should we apologize for it? And John's like, you should, Nell. And Nell's like, well, I don't. And John leaves. Because, oh, for God's sake. Like, I just... (laughs) You're like, I have had enough. (laughs) I really, like, I don't think that... I think the problem with this, like, argument that they're having is they're conflating quite a few things. Like, I think what really bothers John isn't necessarily that the fact that Nell would never date someone with a lower like economic 
status than her. It's that she has demonstrated that she thinks people with a lower economic status than her aren't worthy of the same kind of respect. Like they're they're not worthy of equal respect. And she talks about them like they are a separate subspecies to her and her kind. And that is ugly. That is, you know... Little people. Same as... Yeah, same as, you know, she's going on about how men make class distinctions all the time. They just base them on body parts. It's like, yeah, there are people... That's a different thing. It's a different thing. And there are people that do that. But that's not good. That's not... That's not okay either. That is ugly too. Two roles do not make a right. Exactly. And also, from what I've seen... Like, I don't think that's what John is about. Like, John doesn't treat ugly people with no respect. Like, he treats... No. You know, just because you wouldn't date someone doesn't mean you don't... You don't owe them any respect. Like, I... And I think this is what it boils down to. Yeah, and Nell has previous on this on both counts. Like, she's obviously demonstrated that she is repulsed by the concepts of little people as she calls them trying Mm. to date her but she's also shown in previous episodes that she's repulsed by anything that she deems ugly so like a fat the fat sweaty man who came and her and Ling had to do that case with like and she just doesn't she finds it very difficult not to show that she's repulsed like she seems to think that it's okay to do that show that Um, kind of yeah and the only reason you get the sense that she's trying to hide it a little bit is because they've been clients yeah like if they'd been people in the outside world she probably would have been openly openly. yeah yeah exactly which is is ugly that's a horrible trait to have exactly and i'm not surprised that it's kind of upsetting john I'm I'm kind of surprised it's taken John this long to realise that she's like that. that because surely he will have noticed that she maybe doesn't try and engage with any of the secretaries or have conversations with them or, you know, when they're out to dinner, just like yeah. dismissing the wait stuff. Like these people tend to show that side of themselves in little ways whenever they're, a, yeah. whenever they're around any kind of service stuff yeah um, yeah so absolutely I'm just, in a way I'm surprised that it's taken this long maybe <laughs> but, he's just not that um, observant I'm not, <laughs> yeah, but I'm not surprised that no. he's upset by it it would upset no. me it, yeah it's but it's like they're discussing it like you could like it's one or the other and it's like you don't need to do either. Like, neither thing is good. And actually, like... No. I don't think John does do the thing that you're saying he does. And even if he no. did, that doesn't mean that it's okay for you to do what you're doing. Like... No, exactly. Oh, I'll apologise if you apologise. Yeah, I don't think either of us should apologise. And it's ridic- like, no. Yeah, I just... I don't... Yeah. Yeah. He's really ramping very up. Strange. David E. Kelly is very like ramping up the unlikability in uh, now this season, I think. But also, it's annoying because he's he's trying to get to a place where um, clearly we're headed for John and Nell splitting at some point. Yes, like they're not I destined so. to end up together. No. Um, and we've seen lots of cracks in their relationship this season. Um, but it's like, did it have to be? 
by making Nell so a repugnant human being. Yeah, because like, she, she did was not... fine until you started adding in all these random horrible yeah. character traits. And it's just weird to me that at the time when they were like obsessed with calling her like Sub Zero now, and you know she's such a bitch and she's so awful. Like that was the time when she was like the most nice and the most sweet yes. and like it's really weird <laughs> like that's the time you should have had her being like horrible to secretary exactly like, yeah very strange very strange but it's like they just randomly but also it's a shame because it's a missed opportunity again to show a, mar- uh, a marriage they're not married but to show a relationship breaking up not necessarily because one of them's suddenly horrible, but just because (laughs) some relationships don't work out. Like, it's clear that John wants a family one day um, because when he was first fantasizing about Nell, he saw them, like, in a farmhouse, um, like, you know, with her... Like, loads of... Yeah, loads of... But but Nell has made it very clear she doesn't think she wants children. It's like, that could have been a vein to tap to show why this, you know, relationship wasn't destined long-term. But no, instead, we're just going to (laughs) make Nell a bitch. Like, suddenly, out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. It's really strange. It's really strange writing and decision-making. Yeah. I don't know why we're surprised this is David (laughs) Kelly we're talking about. Um, So... Then Ali has gone to the coffee shop with Hammond um, to work with him and they are basically just like winding each other up. So Hammond has been barking orders at Ali so quick that she can't keep up and as a joke. Um, And then Ali just flicks foam at his head. Um, And in the middle of all this, you know, hilariousness. Sandy comes to order. Yeah, Sandy Sandy has come in um, and she's come to order a coffee and she sees Ali and she's like, what are you doing back there? Um, And Ali's like, oh, long story, crazy judge. And Hammond lets Ali deal with Sandy because she obviously knows her and he goes back to the kind of coffee machine. Um, And she notices, Ali notices that Sandy seems kind of down. And so she asks her what's wrong. And Sandy's like, oh... I like this guy, but he's just coming off of a divorce and I don't really want to be the rebound relationship. Um, And how Ali doesn't twig that this is Billy, I don't know. But eventually (laughs) Sandy says, it's Billy. And Ali is somehow surprised. But then she kind of is like, oh, I don't really want to get involved. You know, I'm a friend of George's, um, even though I know that relationship is over. Um, But she clearly can't resist giving her opinion anyway, um, because she runs out to see Sandy before she leaves and says, you know, I'm the last person in the world to give anybody advice about love or anything. (laughs) I I wish she would. Because she says that quite a lot. And I wish you would just learn to just shut up after that and just be like, I'm the last person that should be giving anyone advice. So I'm going to shut up. Have a good day. But but I like the way she says, give anyone advice about love or anything. Just anything. Like I've got nothing of usefulness to impart to the world. But then she says, um, I do know two things, actually three things. First, under the bleached head, he's one of the greatest guys I've ever met. And I was like, really? I know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) oh my gosh, what a sad state of affairs if he's the greatest guy. (laughs) Jesus. And then second, she says, being loved by him or loving him 
it's pretty special. And I was like, Sandy, go and speak to Georgia because I'm sure she's got a different story. <laughs> she doesn't feel pretty special right now. <laughs> and then Ali says, third, if he's even a maybe, you've got to check it out because guys who could be right or even remotely could be the one, they don't come along often, if ever. And I was like, God, what shitty advice. You should be put back in jail just for that. <laughs> I mean, like, there's a bit where, like, Sandy says, like, Ali asks her what, like, Billy says about all this. And Sandy's like, he actually says all the right things. And I was just like, yeah, that's not... Red alert. <laughs> that's not happenstance, Sandy. Like, that is by design. And it's just like... Ali, for fuck's sake, can you just not for once? <laughs> can you just not shut up? Like, it's like, despite everything she's learned about who Billy has become, like, whenever someone gets onto the subject of Billy, it's like Ali restores herself to factory settings and just repeats the same warp-throat-tinted <laughs> view of Billy that she developed when she was probably about 16. And it has really, like, just baked itself no, into younger. her psyche. Yeah, I Younger know. than that. And it's just, like... Yeah. It's like Billy hardwired some weird, like... <laughs> Billy is the best <laughs> forever computer code into her brain before he <laughs> broke up with her. And it's just, like... Why... <laughs> What version of iOS are you on, Ali? (laughs) Billy is the best. It's just... I never upgraded. (laughs) Never upgraded. Even though she... It's just... It's bizarre (laughs) to me that she just... Something will just click in her head and she'll just be like, what's our line on Billy? Oh, yeah, he's the greatest. (laughs) (laughs) But he's not, though. And also, oh, I love that crazy. Hammond is doing, like, the worst low-key eavesdropping I have ever seen. I, <laughs> I was going to say, it's quite important to later in the episode that we note that Hammond is, like, eavesdropping hearing in the background. Everything. And, like, hearing everything. Yeah. He's just oh, like, dear. Mm, just doing my little coffee shop yeah, just thing. cleaning the coffee machine <laughs> with no cloth. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. Um, oh, so... Back at Cage and Fish the same evening, John is dancing to Give me that, give me that, give me, give me, give me that, give me that thing, give me that, give me, give me that, give me that thing, give me that, give me, give me, give me that thing, that thing. And he's doing it with a feather duster that he's got off of the cleaning cart, we can see in the background. And he's clearly like, you know, getting his aggression out. And Richard comes in and. finger like thin air for a long time. Well, Richard comes in and it's like, oh, you're doing your angry dance. And John <laughs> says, well, I can explain that, Richard. And he just walks around to face him and goes, I'm angry. <laughs> He's like, Nell is a rich bitch, elitist snob. She thinks it's beneath her to date a janitor. <laughs> and Richard, uh, I mean, why he I, ever oh. comes to Richard for advice, I do not <laughs> No, I will never know. None of us will ever know. But Richard says that he thinks... It's a good thing. (sighs) Most women, when they get married, they want that big, big house. And the husband has to work, work, work to be able to build her that big, big house. And while he's working, she gets lonely and strips the contractor. Circle of life, John. You're better off with now. 
You don't mean that. But let me tell you, a little jingle aside, all men are not created equal. Some are big and strong, some are short and fat, some are clever, some are strange, some are handsome, some aren't. And for those non-handsome, short, strange little men, I think we know who we're talking about, John. He needs an equalizer. The equalizer is money. Let me say it again. Money. Let's go for trilogy. Money. You're, you're a funny little man with money. And Nell loves money. Instead of condemning her for her values, you, you, you should be grateful. Otherwise, what chance on this earth do you stand of getting her? And John is unimpressed. Uh, he basically sarcastically calls Richard's perspective, as always, refreshing it's like or is it exhausting like you decide so exhausting i mean john is out of breath arguably from dancing around but also from richard (laughs) yes meanwhile hammond and ali have been having a whale of a time as demonstrated by the montage that we get (laughs) of them at the coffee shop set to Vonda singing the Java Drive by the Manhattan Transfer. And it's all good, wholesome, good time fun of Ali being adorably terrible at making coffee, moving piping coffee whipped cream, <laughs> filling beans with a like trowel instead of the container. And they're like, oh, <laughs> you. Oh. And everyone's playing with plastic cups as if they're people. And everyone's having a good time. Um, And then Hammond walks Ali home and she's commenting that she thinks that he seems happier in an apron than in a robe. And he's like, oh, but yes, having the robe has its perks. Um, And they get to Ali's stoop and they stop. And then Hammond says, is there any chance of getting a real day out of all of this? Um, You know, how about tomorrow night? And Ali's like, well, I date a lot, so I will have to check. Um, And then she's like, but tomorrow night will probably work. Um, And Hammond then warns her that what he's about to do isn't a kiss. It's just a polite peck goodnight. But then he very much does kiss her. I was like, that's definitely a kiss. Um, But Ali this time is charmed. And she sort of says that was very courteous. um, And they say goodnight. But as she's walking up the steps and is about to go in, Hammond just asks her about the case and says, do you really believe all that stuff? And Ali's like, actually, yeah, why? And he says, well, then in the spirit of honesty, I should tell you that I am bisexual. And Ali just stands there staring at him with her arms folded and the scene just fades. And I was like, that is, what a gross reaction if someone was like, I'm bisexual, and someone was like, hmm. <laughs> like, like, and? Like, it's like, well, the way the show plays it is like, this is truly devastating news. <laughs> like, it's just like, exactly. Is it? <laughs> like, has anyone thought of this from Hammond's perspective or people like Hammond watching this? That someone would be, just be like, what? This what? changes everything yeah i know know. ridiculous well i guess this just got interesting because up until now i haven't been that interested in (laughs) (laughs) um so the next day ali is in her office and obviously this is a big problem that she needs to discuss with everyone that she can she's talking with elaine who is like oh my god this is worse than the last one he just turned out to be homeless and ali's like (laughs) 
would you date a bisexual man? And Elaine's like, yeah. And Ali's like, well, so why are you saying this is such a crisis? And Elaine's like, well, I'm just looking at it through your eyes. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. I'm just looking at it through your bigoted eyes, Ali. <laughs> like, look, I know you're a massive fucking bigot. So, you know, of course this is going to be a big deal to you. <laughs> yeah. Of course this is going to be worse than homeless. Like... <laughs> Jesus. Um, and then she goes, oh, when are you going to see him again? And Ali's like, oh, tonight. And Elaine's like, uh, are you sure it's not sooner? Because it would explain why he's here. <laughs> Just like <laughs> in the doorway. <laughs> oh, which is so funny. And Ali jumps up and is like, Hammond, bye. I mean, hi, hello. And I'm like, no, nobody would do that. That's just stupid. No. Um, but Hammond has come here because he says he couldn't sleep. And he asks if they can talk. Um, and then they just wait for Elaine to leave. But Elaine just sort of mutters to Ali, I know it might seem inappropriate for me to stay, but just this once. And Ali's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine, <please. laughs> and then um, after Elaine's gone, Ali asks why Hammond couldn't sleep. And he's like, because you looked so thrown yesterday. And I was like, yeah, Ali, maybe because you look like he'd just pissed in your mocker. <laughs> <laughs> she was just so I couldn't get over that fade to black I was I like what kind of reaction is that but then Annie tries to joke and it's like oh I'm just I'm just so sick and tired of guys at the end of the date telling me they're bisexual it gets really old um and then she's like yeah okay I, I was thrown and Hammond is like but why does it does it make a difference and Ali's like well yeah, I, I don't really date for the fun of it. It's more like I audition potential husbands and if I don't see any potential, then I don't waste my time. And he's like, right, so you don't see any potential in me because I'm bisexual. And then Ali says, I suppose I associate a lifestyle of promiscuity with bisexuality. It may not be fair, but I do. I suppose I'm I'm insecure that a bisexual man has sexual needs that I can't fulfill. I I suppose I like to think of my husband taking my son to a ball game and, and not having to worry whether daddy is checking out the pitcher's glutes. I, I suppose I'm I'm nervous about my kids being teased because of their father's sexual I suppose I'm I'm worried about diseases. I suppose in the end, I'm far more homophobic than I ever imagined. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, I very nearly threw in my objection here, but actually, Hammond does, does it better than I was going to. Takedown of so, every point, yeah. yeah. He just goes, As for your concern over promiscuity, when any person gets married, he or she pledges fidelity. For you to assume a bisexual person is less able to be monogamous. That is a prejudice. As for taking my son to a ball game, well, if your straight husband took your daughter to a women's basketball game and you were concerned about daddy checking out the point guard's glutes, you'd have issues to work on with your husband straight or not. As for your fears of your kids being teased, that's cowardice. Your fears of disease, ignorance, bias, take your pick. As for your all too comfortable resignation to being homophobic without the will to root out the why or the compulsion to address it, that's as sad as it is inexcusable. And I was like, yes, 
the best bit of that for me, I mean, it was all good, but where he was like, you're all too comfortable yes. resignation. Because yes. so, she has done this before and it has really got on my tits. Because I'm just like, she's just like, I guess I'm I just guess homophobic. I'm homophobic then, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I know. do something about it. Yeah, like, absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? Like, I, 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 oh, so I know someone who has similar feelings to Ali about a man that is possibly bisexual. Um, right. And when I tried to say something about that, she got very defensive and very kind of like, well, it's just a preference. I'm allowed a preference. Like, you know, I, do, I don't see how it's any like, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just a preference. And it was mm. just like, and I just didn't have the words to kind of explain that, uh, uh, that preferences don't just come into existence in a vacuum. Like, there's a reason no. that is your preference. And, like, you are... Uh, uh, yeah, and that line he says, like, you're all too comfortable resignation to being homophobic without the will to root yeah. it out as to why and the compulsion to address it like yes that like perfect line that I was just like yeah I wish I'd had I'd seen this episode before <laughs> having yeah. that conversation because it's like yeah that like you have that preference for a reason because we live in a homophobic society that is why you have like the if preference you break you down which Ali did sort of break down in this, like, I guess I don't like bisexual people for these reasons. And if you break them all down, they're all bullshit reasons all bullshit. that actually aren't aren't worth spending any time on. Yeah, the bit where she's like, oh, I'm worried about my kids being teased about their dad's sexuality. I was like, why would your kids know about your sec your their dad's sexuality? Like, why did why do your kids need to know? But even if they did, why would they be going around telling other people? I know. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's but also, it's like it is cowardice because people do have gay parents, and I'm sure you know kids are shit, and in schools you get teased for all sorts of things. And I'm hoping that these days there's less teasing about the sexuality of your parents because it's becoming more normalized, thank God. Yeah. But if there is teasing, which I don't doubt that that does happen, like that is an opportunity to teach your kid some stuff, right? Mm. And it's cowardice to not want to. Mm. Like it's, I just think it's- It's just a uh, kind of like, bullshit. oh, I don't, I don't want a difficult life. I don't want um, to have to deal with that issue. Like, and it's yeah. just like, but that shouldn't matter to you if if, if you love that person. Like, it, it just, yeah, I... I Her whole attitude stinks here. And I'm yeah. so glad that Hammond had that speech to be like, yeah, you're sad and absolutely abhorrent. And here is why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Ali's like, listen, you're a great judge and you're a good guy. Um, but the only thing relevant here is I don't want to go out with you. And there's this, what I, what I didn't like about this scene, um, apart from Ali's speech, was there was this like sad piano music that seems to be suggesting like, oh, why is this always happening to Ali? Like <laughs> she can't catch a break. <laughs> as Hammond like storms out and is done with her. Like, yeah. 
was like, just like, why, you know, are we, why are we worried about her feelings in this? Like she's yeah, because she's, she's got really not... like she's got tears in her eyes, and she's like, yeah. I'm just gonna have to let you go because yeah. I can't go out with you. And I'm like, well, you could if you did what Hammond said. Like, and did not, I'm not sympathetic yeah. towards you here, no matter what music you're putting on in the background. Yeah, like, absolutely. I have no sympathy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So. Sandy um, goes into Billy's office and closes the door um, and she she's sort of come in all flustered, like she's really worked up. She's like, I've had enough, I need to sort this out. And she goes, do you really want to try this? And Billy's like, yeah. And she comes up and he's like, there has to be ground rules. No physical contact in the office. No flirting. No unprofessional behaviour. No sudden expectations of me doing your laundry. And Billy's like, I would never. And she's like, no lying. If there is any relapse with Georgia, no physical contact. And Billy's like, I wouldn't do anything to jeopardise your job or career. And then they kiss. And I'm like, what happened to no physical I contact? I know, I know. I was like, also, if you have to specify that you won't be doing someone's laundry that's a red flag sandy <laughs> yeah the Run. fact that you you felt the need to verbalize that is a huge red fucking flag oh <laughs> god this is all wrong on so many levels jesus um, but then they're kind of mid kiss and the door opens and richard and john are there and John's like, uh, and stuttering. And Richard's like, oh, excellent, she'll sue. And they close the door. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, Sandy is like, great, it's already got out. And then she just continues kissing Billy. And I'm just like, dun, dun, dun. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I'm like, there's no saving these girls. No, they just I keep know. falling for it. I know. <laughs> Sad, sad times. Dearie she's gone. Me. She's she's lost to us now. We can't get her back. <laughs> um. So meanwhile, Ali is uh, staring at her homophobia in the mirror <laughs> in the unisex. Um, and Nell comes out of a stall. Um. And then Richard comes in and asks if Nell has met any cute custodians lately. Um. And she, by her face, you can tell she is not happy that John has clearly been talking with Richard. And she leaves. Um. And then Richard turns to Ali, and he says. Um, you know, it, it seems in court there was uh, there was chemistry between you and the judge. Um, and looking at you now, I can't help but wonder, is he bi? <laughs> and then he's like, Elaine hinted. And Ali's like, you know, I think my fear might have come from ignorance. And I was like, you think? <laughs> <laughs> and Richard says, uh, and I'm so pleased we get his perspective on this topic. Uh, he says, men have urges, Ali. Imagine if Clinton were by. It could have been Linda Tripp under that desk. And I was like, what a vile joke. I know. Like, what? Yeah. Cat hiss again. <laughs> but Ali's like, that isn't funny. And she tells Richard off for displaying the same prejudices that she was. And then she says she thinks that she might have ruined things with a good man. And I was like, yeah, Ali, you think? Um, And Richard asks if it is too late. And Ali's like, huh, no, it isn't. And she leaves. And I'm like, isn't it? Like, if I was Hammond, I would not be up for Ali after that speech of hers. 
Like, yeah. it is too late, Ali. She's like, no, I think <laughs> I don't I know what in her mind. <laughs> well, if I just come back and say that I can get past it, then of course he'll want me back. I'm like, why would he? <laughs> He's a good-looking guy who's a judge. Like, you know, he is, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure he'll be fine without you. <laughs> right. Um, so then John is in his office um, throwing papers away in a waste paper bin. And Nell comes in and asks to talk to him. And he's like, well, actually, I'm cleaning up my office at the moment, which I assume will be a turnoff to you. <laughs> And she's like, look, Brilliant. can we just drop this? Like, just drop it. And he's like, I can't. You're a stuck-up, intolerant snob. And then Nell goes, do you have any clue how weird you are? And she picks up a remote on his desk and presses it, which is the re- remote that makes her heels shorter. Mm. And then she picks up another remote, which makes her hair, like, fall down, like her hairpins flin out. Um, and then she's like, look what I put up with. I date a man who has remotes for toilets, my shoes, my hairpins, who can't make love to me unless he pretends he's Barry White, whose nose whistles. And now you accuse me of being intolerant. And John's like, would you date me if I didn't have money? And she says, yeah, but would I have been as attracted to you if you weren't successful? Quite possibly no. And John's like, well, that is what troubles me. And Nell just says, well then, you're a dweeb. And John's like, did, did you just call me a dweeb? <laughs> and now says, look, you told me that when you were at high school, you were laughed and picked on and that you told yourself one day that you would be rich and successful. And now that you are and everyone likes you, you can't handle it. If you want people to embrace who you used to be, then why don't you go back to the dweeb you were in high school? And she goes to storm off and John just presses the remote so her heels shorten and she sort of <laughs> stumbles as she leaves. But I'm just like, oh, this argument is like the epitome of ridiculous. Like they're yeah. not arguing the same thing. And as no. you said, they're conflating things that have no relation to each other. And it's just really irritating. I just, I mean, to me, I'm just like, if I was John, I'd be looking to break up with her now. Like, yeah. this is just horrible. Yeah. I'm like, if you have to put up yeah. with all these things, then why the hell are you here? Like, Fuck exactly. Off. You know I mean? Like, just to be like, you know how weird you are? Look what I have to put and up with. And what gets me is like, all he's asking is to say to her, Can you be respectful apologize of people? for being, yeah. Like, that's not a, that's not an unreasonable thing. Okay, all he's saying is, like, I think it's really off that you don't think everyone deserves the same level of respect. Like, you you dish out your respect based on how much money people earn, and that's not okay. And for her to be like, oh, well, I think it's fine. Like, no, it's not unreasonable what he's, what he's saying at all. <laughs> I know, I know. Very strange. So then, (laughs) Ali is walking to the coffee shop to find Hammond. And as she walks, she hears some different songs in her head. So the first one is Love on a Two-Way Street by The Moments, (laughs) which has the line, I found love on a two-way street and lost it on a lonely byway. And Vonda really (laughs) emphasises the word by because there's this like record scratch. And Ali's like, mm, shakes her head. No. And then she starts walking again and she hears 
both sides now by Joni Mitchell, <laughs> which is like, I've looked at love from both sides now. And then you get the the record scratch and Ali shaking her head like more aggressively. And then she starts walking again and we just get round, round, get around, get around. <laughs> get around. <laughs> and Ali just shakes her head and jumps up and down like in a tantrum. And when she stops, she notices that everyone on the street is staring at her. And she just goes, I could jump up and down if I want. What I what I really wanted is is for the song um, I'm getting by. Bye. I'm getting by. I know, I know. I know. That would have been good. Um but anyway, finally she starts walking and she hears tell him, you know, stick with the classic theme tune. And she marches off to the coffee shop. Um and when she gets there, Hammond asks if she came to dump coffee on him again. And she's like, no, no, no. And she's in flirt mode. She's yeah. like, I've been rethinking. And then we get this flash of a fantasy in her head of him kissing her with like magical sun dapples, like lighting. <laughs> and there's like plinky blinky magical music. Um, and back in reality, she's like, I agree. I was completely guilty of bigotry. And then we go back to her fantasy and she gets a new fantasy of him kissing a man and the music is like (laughs) and back in reality that fantasy means that she's like changed tack and she's like and I she drops the flirt and she's like I just can't get by it and she says she realizes it's her loss but she just can't get by it and then Hammond quotes herself back at her because he's like I heard you say the other night if a man can even remotely be the one how can you not check it out and Ali's like yeah I know but and then she has another fantasy of Hammond just sleeping in bed next to another man and there's this like horror horror omen style music back in reality she just goes well sometimes prejudice wins out and I like it should come as no surprise that this is my fucking objection because yeah. it was bad enough that we had Ali spouting these horrendous like false stereotypes earlier in the episode. But then when they had Hammond come back at her, I was like, okay, maybe the show is going to use it as an opportunity to like teach the audience, you know? Because if you think about it, back then the audience like those stereotypes were very much like the mainstream view and some of them very much still prevail today about Mm. bisexual people. Yeah. But no, this is the final scene. And instead of using this storyline for good as like a teachable moment, the show is presenting it as it's okay for people to go with their prejudices in this like, oh, you win some, you lose some kind of way. Like as if Ali's being totally reasonable and like it's like an understandable conclusion to come to, which to me is just sickening. And the way those gay scenes were depicted in Mm. her fantasies was fucking horrendous. Like horror music and like disgust, like what the fuck? And then to show Ali just going back to Hammond to just tell him, 
yeah, I'm a bigot, but what are you going to do, eh? Like, it's just so unnecessary. Like, they could have had her have that realisation if they were going to do that on her own, like, not to his face. Like, I get they were trying to show that she didn't realise it until she was there, but then she could have just made up something and left and done that elsewhere. Like, it was just... The whole thing has been so poorly handled and that horror music and her just being like, oh, well, prejudice wins out, just made me so angry well, especially like, no. as we like we say we have him actually say early in the episode it's inexcusable for you to just be resigned to your bigotry like that's when you yeah. recognize that that's what you have to just be like oh well i yeah. guess that's just who i am it's like no that's not the takeaway you know, here. your intellectual like thoughts know or should know that bigotry is a bad thing and if you recognize it within yourself not you only that own it's a bad your principles thing. it's not only it's a it's a bad thing but it's illogical it, it's based yes. on yeah. on things that are not true and it can change like you don't have to keep being a bigot no, like you can exactly. interrogate why you have those feelings and unprogram yourself that's that is very thing. possible that, people that do it every thing. day absolutely yeah. the idea that prejudice and bigotry are just a thing that you learn that is there or, or just a thing that exists in a person and that's just how it is and that's a fixable unmovable thing within you is that's not your fault bollocks. you know yeah that yeah. is not your fault yeah. yeah absolutely like that that is bollocks you can absolutely retrain yourself and and educate yourself to to not hold those feelings like yeah that is absolutely possible and like you say people do it all the fucking time and and if you actually care about people being treated equally and you know there being less bigotry in the world you would do the work to, yeah, to do that in you yourself would start with yourself and do the work yeah and that doesn't necessarily mean that she has to be like okay i'll date hammond straight away no she but shouldn't she date hammond straight away because hammond for, doesn't for other deserve reasons. hammond doesn't deserve to have yeah. to rehabilitate um no exactly he deserves to find someone who who is does not hold that bigotry but yes but uh, so yeah so I don't think the you know I'm not so like I'm gunning for her to be like okay I'm bigoted but I'll give you a shot do you know what I yes, mean no. like I don't think that would have been a good ending no, either no. I think a good ending would be the show to be Ali recognize oh I hold this prejudice but I'm gonna work on it and I'm gonna figure that out and you know here are some ways where I can do that like I just yeah I just think this was just very badly handled and it just gave a lot of people watching a free pass to be like oh it's okay it's okay you know, yeah. if I find it a bit icky and I meet a bisexual person like that's Ali feels like that that's you know it's common and it's normal, normal and okay yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. like and it's yeah completely it's not natural it is something that is baked into our society because our society is homophobic so we have all been raised with homophobic ideas that are are planted in our minds, and that heavily, heavily, <laughs> that heavily, heavily. <laughs> it, it heavily influences things like preference and stuff like yeah. that. Those things don't just 
pop out of nowhere. Come out of nowhere. Like, they, yeah. they are shaped by our society and the culture that we live in and what is considered normal. I think normal. people mistake preference with... Because um, they talk about sexual preference, don't they? Which yeah. is your sexuality, which is not something that you can control. No. Um, but, but you wanting... You having a preference to date someone who is 100%, 100% heterosexual is not, it's, that's not your sexuality. No. Your sexuality is being attracted to men. Yeah. And that could be gay men, that could be straight men, that could be bi men. Like, you don't know your sexuality, the natural part is being attracted to a male specimen. Yeah. You know, if you're bisexual, you're attracted to men and female. If you're pansexual, you're just attracted to people. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it's our thing. That's it, not a, you saying I prefer bisexual. It, it, people say that almost like it's like a right, like their sexuality, and it's yeah. not. It's not yeah. the same thing. I just because the thing is, is I I do have um, I don't know that sympathy is the word. It's more I relate because. I remember holding similar feelings like uh, in my early 20s. So, you know, about 10 years ago, I remember holding mm-hmm. similar feelings. But, and I remember, I actually remember like um, fancying, oh, who was it? Uh, Zachary Quinto. I remember really fancying oh, yeah. Zachary Quinto and then realising, discovering that he was gay and being put yeah. off by by the fact that he was gay. Right. And and I just but it was just like I don't feel the same way anymore because I've done like I've interrogated those feelings and where those feelings come from and like you say not just been like oh well you know I'm allowed to not you know be attracted to people I don't want to be attracted to. Like it's just do you know what I mean like I've done that work so this idea that you cannot change that is is yeah is i know i know to be completely false you can change that it's just a matter yeah. of reprogramming the shit yeah that has you've been raised in and it's and it just doesn't make any logical sense either because if you think about it when they're saying and like when you had that experience when um, oh, I fancy that person. That was the natural reaction. You fancied yeah. them. The unnatural thing was you going, so therefore not a preference. It's something that you have unnaturally enforced upon yourself yeah. to program yourself. Was you going, oh no, I don't because he's gay. Like yeah. that wasn't natural. That's no. something that's been imposed on you. Yeah. And so therefore you can unimpose it, right? Which like- comes from, <laughs> I think it comes from a place of like, um, the the homophobia in society that we've been raised in in terms of like seeing people who especially men who are gay or bisexual as like not real men or not right. as manly as heterosexual men and it's like yeah. and it's that that it uh, I found that that's what I realized was was causing that aversion now that I knew he was gay being like oh Oh, it's because I associate gayness with not being a real, in inverted commas, like, real man. And yeah. it's like, oh, oh, right. Well, I know that's bullshit, isn't it? 
So yeah, you know, and it and it's, I'm not saying it's like a quick thing. It's not an overnight thing, but it absolutely is changeable if you care about yeah. not being a bigot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It's like that thing about, um, you know, with uh, all the Black Lives Matter um, stuff that happened this summer and people going, do the work to identify where you hold racism in your white privilege because we all do. And it's not comfortable and it is icky to admit what stuff like you've just admitted. Like, oh, these are the moments when I've been racist. This is the moments when I've been homophobic. Mm. Like, that's not nice as a... You know, even if you're trying to be progressive, like even more so, that's not nice to admit. I can't imagine what it's like if you've not been progressive and you're you're trying to grapple with this stuff. Um, but it's, you know, no one likes to admit they're wrong, right? Yeah. Nobody likes to admit no that they've been ad- something that you've said is not good. Well, no one likes to think that they've hurt people unwittingly yeah. or, uh, you know, or that they are part of the problem. Like no one likes to see themselves that way. And but it's it's just like I'm sorry. You just have to get over yourself. Like you just have to it, go through it. You it, have yeah. to. And it just this, this, as you say, if you care, if this you is give what a needs shit to happen <laughs> about not being, you know, uh, I think just yeah, like if you if you care about being a better person, I you know, none of us are perfect. We're all flawed. We all hold prejudices, but as long as you are willing to do that that internal work and really be honest with yourself about where you fall down, like yeah, uh, uh, that's all any of us can do. But it but it's just the utter resignation to being like, well, that's just what I think, and that's just what I feel. Yeah. My feelings are very important and very like. Um, not changeable and you know you just you know like it or lump it and it's just like no like that's not and that is that's the inexcusable thing about this episode and why I threw my objection in there because I just was like that is not the message to send people home with big audience home with it's just not cool. No, so, yeah. I agree. I think that's very um, good. So then the episode ends. We're nearly there because Hammond's like, "Is this what you came to tell me that you know prejudice wins out?" Um, and Ali's like, "Oh no, no, that's not what I came to tell you. I guess I just came to say goodbye." And then she leaves um, the coffee shop, and Vonda starts singing uh, a bluesy version of "Tell Him," which I have to say I did really like. We've not heard that version before. It's like a slower, like twangier guitar yeah. version. Yeah. Um, but Ali just sits, walks along, and sits on a bench and puts her head in her hands. Um, and I think you're meant to be like, how oh, hard Ali. for Ali. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, je refuse, je refuse to feel sorry for fucking Ali uh, yeah. in this moment. Like, if she ends no. up alone for the rest of her life, then I'm on her head. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that is completely her own fault. Like, right? you know what I mean? Yeah, you, I do you know You had, you know, don't get me wrong, Hammond was not a perfect guy and he did no, quite a few problematic is? things during this episode. Yeah. But, you know, nothing that couldn't be like, you know... Uh, 
Well, she had forgiven him. She'd gotten over it. Yeah. She was flirting with him. As soon as he said he was bisexual, it all stopped. That yeah. was the only reason why she had a problem. And that is a problem. Yeah. And it's just like, he, he was, you know, he definitely had potential as like a good, decent human being. Like, you know. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. So it is absolutely your loss. If you are, yeah, going to reject someone over something like that. Retrial. We have Stevens versus Treadway, which I looked up because I couldn't remember their names. No. Um, <laughs> what do you, how do you find in this case? Well, yeah, I just think the idea that you have a legal duty to, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah um, disclose your... Uh, sexuality before getting married is is ridiculous like no well it's also (laughs) unrealistic because especially in this day and age where more and more people are discovering their sexuality um lots of people are having it earlier in life which is brilliant because that's how it should be um but because it's becoming more accepted good there are people who are discovering it later in life after they've got married and it's like if you didn't know how could you that doesn't mean your entire marriage has been a sham like it doesn't I just don't think you can force you can't force people to disclose their sexuality before you marry because some may not even know it anymore that you can force people to only marry for love you can't like ideally yes that is what marriage is supposed to be about and ideally people wouldn't enter into marriage without having some of these conversations about their sexuality but the point is sometimes they don't and yeah. it, it it isn't doesn't happen ideally so you know like what about the people who um as i say don't accept their sexuality until after they've got married what about arranged marriages what mm-hmm. about um Oh god, there's just so many scenarios you Absolutely. can think of. Like I just where think... people don't get married for love, they get married for other reasons. Like but you just, couldn't apply. It, yeah, that. It, but it's just that thing of like like Hammond says, like people get married for lots of different reasons. And who are you to judge what makes good reasons? Like and I yeah. just and I just think like yeah, like you say, the there are so many people that realise um, that they are maybe not straight after they um, get married. Doesn't mean they've defrauded their spouse. Like I, I well, think... also we never really got to the bottom of whether that was what was hap- what had happened here. They didn't say that she had realised after she'd got married. Mm. Um, So it was implied that she knew all along, she just hadn't told him, Um, which I find odd because I feel like that's a conversation that would have come up. (laughs) Well, I mean, (laughs) I I can imagine, you know, there being people that have known deep down that they are gay but didn't want to be because homophobia... And yeah, just wanted society. a yeah, exactly. normal life and, you know, decided yeah. to push tried those it, feelings really down. Yeah. yeah, just tried to repress that side of themselves so that they could get married and have a normal life um, without having to face that part of themselves. And, yeah, you know... I just some... feel like there was a big part of that storyline missing. Yeah. In that, like, 
why has she suddenly said, actually, I'm gay now? Yeah. Like, what's happened? What's happened? Because that, that would give some clues as to, you know... But like what, I say... Why did this go wrong? Like, you can't... I, I'm not, I think we've said this before. Like, um, you know, entering into a lifelong commitment, whatever that looks like, is a leap of faith. Like, it just is. Yeah. Because you can never you know, you can have all the conversations in the world, but you can never really, really know what is in the, the, someone's heart. You only know what's in yours. Like, and that is the case for everyone. And so, you know, getting married and making that kind of commitment is always going to be a leap of faith. And I just think like, it, it, yeah, to, to be like, you must disclose, legally, you must disclose every it's single just, thing about yeah. yourself um, in order for me to decide whether or not I want to commit, you know, um, my life to you is, like, ridiculous. Like, uh, f- you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I just, yeah. you know, it's... Uh, Ali's argument was weak, as we've discussed. Absolutely, yeah. Verdict of the week. The jury's back. Who are you finding? I'm going to find now guilty because okay. I really hated her, like, you know, commitment to her unapologetic elitism. Like, and yeah. it was truly repugnant, like, the things she was saying. And yeah. I wish it could go without saying, but you are not a better human being for having money. Like, that's not yeah. how human, that's not how humanity works. Like, I just... No, I know. Yeah, Nell seems to think that she is better because she has money and it is just, like, super grim to witness. Like, it is. It really, really gross. I wasn't happy with Nell this episode either, um, but... I think on balance, I'm giving Ali the guilty because I just was so incensed by her her attitude yeah. with Hammond when she found out that he was bisexual. I just thought it was horrible. And the way that the show seemed to yes. be on her side. Yes. I, I think just that like, is really, really bad. Yeah. So Ali is guilty for just being a unapologetic homophobe and the show <laughs> is guilty for supporting her in that decision. Well, yeah. <laughs> Bigotry galore, as I say. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so what did you guys think of this episode? Do you agree on Nell and Ali the worst? Um, you know, how do you feel about seeing Georgia again? I um, mean, R.I.P. the dancing twins. Like, there's so much to talk about. Can I just um, say but, you also, know. can I just say that um, considering there's a lot of airtime with Billy and he does not come off as the worst character in the show. I know. It's like <laughs> quite an achievement. <laughs> yeah, well done, Billy. You're not I mean, the worst this episode. <laughs> How you've managed that, we're not sure. But we're not sure, it's but, happened. It, but it's happened. Here we are. <laughs> oh, let's see how long you can keep that up. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, get in touch with us with any of your thoughts about this episode. We are on um, f- Facebook and Twitter at Bygones Podcast. Um, we're on Instagram at Instagram, <laughs> Instagram, Insta Wallace and Gromit, <laughs> Instagram. 
<laughs> at bygones pod or you can email us at bygonespodcast at gmail.com um we also um have a patreon if you didn't know um we have <laughs> lots of lovely patrons who get all of their bygones episodes early and other treats depending on how um, much you have pledged. Um, we recently did a, I think it was like a month or so ago, we'd do another one actually, we need to decide what to do. But um, for our John Cage tier, we did a Chicago rewatch, live rewatch, which was fun. Yeah. Um, we'll be doing another one of those at some point soon for anyone on John Cage tier. Um, so yeah, if you want to join in that fun, um, please do check us out on Patreon. Just search for Bygones Podcast or the link is in the show notes. And uh, yeah, I guess I think that's all of the stuff that we say at the end of the episode. <laughs> I think I've come to the end. Uh, I guess all that there remains is to say until next time. Bygones!